Welcome to Dad's Sense, a podcast for folks looking to grow their financial future. This podcast is hosted by Jason Fuchs, a dad, a husband, and managing director of Sage Path Financial Advisors. Jason's goal is to help you grow your financial future the right way. Now your host, Jason Fuchs. Greetings, everyone. If you're new here, I'm Jason Fuchs, married to Amber, father to a two-year-old girl, Jewel. I also happen to be the managing director of Sage Path Financial Advisors. And at SagePath, we're here to help you grow your your financial future the right way. I'm thrilled to be here today. To all of you out there listening, thank you so much for joining me. You could be listening to anything right now. You could be doing anything right now. You chose to be here with me, and I appreciate all of you. Amber, hello. Hello. How's it going? Great. Great? Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know, Amber, that on Monday, February 22nd, the White House announced several changes to the Paycheck Protection Program, PPP? No, I did not. Oh, okay. We probably didn't know that those changes went into effect on Wednesday, February 24th. <laughs> no, if I didn't know they <laughs> happened, I definitely didn't know they went into effect. If you didn't know A, you probably don't know B, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Well, these changes, they're intended to further target what the White House refers to as, quote, the smallest businesses and those that have been left behind in previous relief efforts, Mm. end quote. Okay, cool. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are a small business owner in need of financial assistance, you may find these changes to the PPP loan, you may find those extremely helpful in trying to secure that PPP loan rather. And that's our financial topic of today's episode. We'll talk about important changes to the PPP. DadSense is undergoing a bit of a transition, Amber. I want to make the podcast more entertaining more engaging. You know, the world of financial planning, it's just so stuffy, but at SagePath, we want to be the antidote to conventional financial planning. So we're going to change up the format a little bit. As of today, I'll no longer be sharing a recipe with you in each episode. But ladies and gentlemen, Amber, you can still get those recipes, previous recipes I've shared on our blog, and occasionally I'll add some new ones as well. And that blog is at www.sagepathfa.com. At the beginning of each episode, I'm going to continue to chat with my guests, just talk about what's going on in our lives. And Amber, guess what? What? You won't be alone. Yes. And Amber, guess what? What? (laughs) I won't be alone either. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in addition to you as my co-host, what we'll do is we'll have an additional guest on each episode. And our guest and I will dive into the financial topic of each episode together. And Amber, when you join us, you'll be able to weigh in too. Yes. What do you think? That sounds great. And I I still get the benefit of eating your recipes at home. You do, yeah. So for you, that doesn't stop. It's a (laughs) win-win. Win-win for Amber. Everyone else, (laughs) And we'll conclude each episode with real questions from real listeners. Matter of fact, today's question comes from a client of mine. We'll call him Peter. How do you get those questions to me? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Amber. The best way to do that is through email, jfuchs at sagepathfa.com. You can also call me at 904-366-9388. All of that information can be found in the description of the podcast. Amber, as usual, I want to know what Mm -hmm. you're most excited about these days. Oh, that's always my favorite question. These days, (laughs) drum roll, please. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) 
Yeah, these days I'm definitely most excited about our big girl. Yeah. Yeah. She has a uh, boss baby. <laughs> our boss baby. <laughs> she has big talk, big confidence, and now she has a big girl bed. <laughs> <laughs> and and she still can't reach the pedals on her bike. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's getting there though. She, she is. She I is. feel like she's growing so much, but she still can't reach her pedals. I don't, I don't know what's up with that. But she, like you said, though, she has such a determined personality. Yeah, she knows what she wants, and she knows how to get it. And she's very comfortable with people <laughs> she knows telling them what she wants and how to give it to her. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I think you know, for us, the people she's comfortable with, we have to kind of figure out how to reel her in sometimes. Oh yeah. Um, but. I love her confidence. I really do. So it's really cool seeing her and growing and everything. But now, in addition to her big girl talk and big girl confidence, she has that big girl bed. Oh, yeah. And she made sure we knew when she was ready for it. (laughs) We had planned on transitioning her for, I don't know, a couple weeks. Uh, Almost months. I mean, she, she was ready. The, the the transition really occurred though when <laughs> <laughs> when she constantly in one night in one night over and over again climbed out of her crib right and knocked on the door right <laughs> she stacked her dolls and toys or whatever she had accessible to her in the crib uh huh to give her that extra leverage she needed oh yeah to climb out. And did it over and over again. Message received, Jewel. Message received. (laughs) So what we did, we just took the mattress out of the crib and put it on the floor. For that night. Yeah, yeah. We've we've read a little bit about this and we decided to learn from other people's success rather Mm -hmm. than try and reinvent the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) And one of those suggestions was to start with the mattress on the floor. And and Mm -hmm. it worked out well. But I'm thinking we maybe didn't need to do that because as soon as we transitioned the mattress from the floor to the crib or the bed the bed excuse me Mm -hmm. the crib converts to a bed she was ecstatic i mean she was so excited about going to bed she and she still is yeah that's true she really loves it and every night now she wants to go play in her room and that helps us with her transition to bedtime yeah that entire weekend we transitioned her all she wanted to do was hang out in her room right i mean we built a couple forts and she, all she wanted to do was read books and lay in bed. She climb in the bed with the dogs. <laughs> yeah, she wanted the dogs to be in there with her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she's growing up. She's growing up. Love, it's, it's loving another big milestone. kid bed life, right? Yeah, she really is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to transition into our financial topic of today's episode. What do you think, Amber? I'm ready. All right. Important changes to the PPP. Let's get into it now. Today's financial topic comes from a piece that was included in a monthly email I send to all my connections. I never send anything spammy, only valuable content. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in receiving the monthly newsletter, email me, call me, I'll add you. And you receive the newsletter, right? I do. What do you think? I love it. Yeah, we try to take high-level concepts and bring them down to the ground level so everyone can understand. Yeah, they're definitely relatable and easy to read and something that I... find valuable every time. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, I mentioned this earlier in the episode. On Monday, February 22nd, the White House announced several changes to the PPP. Those changes went into effect on Wednesday, February 24th. And again, they're intended to further target the businesses, small businesses that had been left behind in previous relief efforts. 
If you're a small business owner and if you need some financial assistance, ladies and gentlemen, I think you'll find these changes helpful when you're trying to secure a PPP loan. So that's what we're going to talk about now, Amber. You ready? Ready. Drum roll? Or should we just go? I'll do a drum roll if you want one. Drum roll, please. Change one. Beautiful. (laughs) Two-week exclusive application period. And this is important. Now, beginning February 24th, the PPP will only accept applications from businesses with 20 or fewer employees. That's important. Again, will only accept applications from businesses with 20 or fewer employees. Interesting. Yeah. According to the White House, approximately... Actually, I want to ask you, what percentage of small businesses in America, Amber, have fewer than 20 employees? Ooh, I bet it's a lot. We have a lot of small businesses. Percentages of businesses with 20%. I'll say 62. 62. Close. Okay. 98. 98%? 98% of small businesses in America have fewer than 20 employers or employees. Wow. (laughs) And these small businesses, they found it difficult to compete with larger companies for PPP loan access. There will be a 14-day exclusive application period, and that's designed to help lenders focus solely on serving these small businesses. We're well into that 14-day period. It actually ends on March 10th. And all of that information came from whitehouse.gov, February 22nd. Now, can you guess what change number two is, Amber? No. (laughs) (laughs) Adjustments to the loan calculation formula. The White House announced that the adjustments will be made to the current loan calculation formula. This will be done to address challenges faced by many small businesses without employees. These include sole proprietors, independent contractors, self-employed individuals, like you, Amber, like me. Mm -hmm. In past instances, these business owners, they've received as little as $1 in PPP assistance or... They've been excluded from receiving funds altogether. Yikes. Yikes, right? Yeah. Now, in conjunction with an adjustment for the loan calculation formula, $1 billion. I'm sorry, I can't help but think about that Austin Powers moment. $1 billion. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be set aside for businesses without employees located in low and moderate income areas. Now, again, all that that information coming from whitehouse.gov, February 22nd. Change number three. Reduce non-fraud felony restrictions. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) The PPP Second Chance Act is going to eliminate some restrictions business owners may currently face. Businesses will no longer be ineligible if a 20% or greater owner was convicted of a non-financial assistance related felony in the past 12 months. Unless, of course, they're incarcerated at the time the PPP loan or the application is filed. Now, in addition... The SBA, that's the Small Business Administration, they're going to remove the restrictions on business owners with delinquent student loan debt. Hmm. Now, the removal of these restrictions will broaden eligibility for business owners who previously were unable to utilize PPP loan assistance. Mm -hmm. Again, coming from whitehouse.gov. Small business owners in many sectors of the economy have been impacted by the ongoing pandemic. I mean, we all know that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, while vaccination rollouts are helping to slow the spread of COVID, 
businesses across the country, they're continuing to grapple with capacity limitations, shutdown orders, other economic hurdles. If you're a small business owner out there, ladies and gentlemen, if you're struggling to make ends meet, now may be an opportune time to apply for a PPP loan. If you have any questions regarding this process or your eligibility, please contact our office. We'll be happy to help. We actually may be able to point you in the right direction of additional resources too. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Amber, I understand that trying to fit this strange, unexpected task in your financial vision or in your daily management of your business can sometimes make the horizon less clear. But that's where SagePath comes in. Our job is to help you cut through the clutter, find a path forward. Sage, path. (laughs) (laughs) That way, you have the ability to build a portfolio that aligns with your goals and values, even as tax laws even as the markets, or even as this strange world changes. Mm -hmm. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you to head to my website, www.sagepathfa.com. In the upper right, click the calendar link, request a complimentary review. You can schedule a day and a time that works for you, or just send me an email and we'll coordinate a day and time to chat. We can do Zoom, we can do a telephone, whatever's easier for you. Now, if now isn't the right time, no worries. I would also like you, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to send me your email address and what I'll do is I'll casually reach out to you from time to time until you're ready. And you may never be ready, but you'll still be able to get valuable content from us at SagePath. We don't send you any junk email, but once every, I don't know, two or three weeks, we send our thoughts on what we think you should know. Now, Amber, our services are not right for everyone and we're selected about the clients we work with, we want to ensure we're a good fit for their goals. Even so, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like everyone to consider the offer of having a review. During the review, we'll take a look at your present holdings. We'll determine whether you're on track in pursuit of your present goals. And ladies and gentlemen, I make this promise to you. If after taking a look at your present portfolio, we agree what you're doing, if we agree with what you're doing, we'll tell you so. However, if we see areas to improve, ways to put you on a better path to pursue your goals, then we'll share our analysis and recommend improvements. What do you think, Amber? Does that sound fair? That sounds very fair. Okay. So what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, Amber, I'd like to conclude today's episode with a bit of Q&A. Ooh. Ready? Ready. All right. Let's jump into it now. I received a question from Pete, a client of mine who emailed me regarding a potential Roth IRA conversion. Of course, that's not his real name, but we're going to call him Pete. Sound good? I like that name. All right. (laughs) That was the name of my first car. All right. So Amber's first car asks three very relevant questions. (laughs) (laughs) One, beneficiaries of Roths must, must take RMDs. Are RMD rules the same for traditional IRAs, except that they wouldn't be taxed? Question two, are donations made from a Roth IRA tax deductible like they are with a traditional IRA. And question three, what the heck is the five-year rule? (laughs) (laughs) Pete, great questions. And, you know, it's generally a good idea for most investors to consider including a Roth IRA in their overall retirement planning. Amber, we've included a Roth IRA in our planning, right? Yep. Investments in your Roth IRA, they have the potential to grow tax-free, which may help you save more over time. Plus, Roth IRAs, they don't require minimum distributions during the lifetime of the original owner. And that's what the RMD stands for, required minimum distributions. Mm. 
Also, Roth IRA assets, they may pass to your heirs tax-free. So let's start with question one. Ready? Ready. RMD rules require distribution rules for Roth beneficiaries. Roth IRA owners, they do not need to take RMDs during their lifetime. But beneficiaries who inherit Roth IRAs, they must take RMDs. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So if you're inheriting a Roth IRA, your RMD would be calculated similar to that of a traditional IRA. And ladies and gentlemen, I recently published an article, a blog post, if you will, and it outlines the details of those distributions. So head to our blog, check it out, call or email me with questions. I'll get you through it. Don't worry about it. Ready for question two? Ready. Or the answer to question two? Yes. Not asking any more questions. (laughs) (laughs) The incentive for contributing to a Roth IRA is to build savings for the future, not to obtain a current tax deduction. Mm. Contributions to Roth IRAs, they are not deductible the year you make them. Mm -hmm. They consist of after-tax money. I mean, think about it. You get paid, your taxes are deducted from your paycheck, Mm -hmm. and some of that money is what you're throwing into a Roth, right? Uh Aha. Aha. Logic. (laughs) That's why you don't need to pay taxes on the funds when you withdraw them. Your tax bill has already been paid. Okay. Okay? So the answer to question three, unlike traditional IRAs, there are no required minimum distributions, RMDs, for Roth IRAs. You can take out your Roth IRA contributions at any time for any reason without owing any taxes or penalties. Withdrawals on earnings work differently. In general... You can withdraw earnings without penalties or taxes as long as you're 59 and a half or older and you've owned the account for at least five years. Boom. That's the five-year rule. Okay. So that restriction is known as the five-year rule. So let's talk about if you meet the five-year rule. Now, if you are under age 59 and a half, earnings are subject to taxes and penalties. You may be able to avoid taxes and penalties if you use the money for first-time home purchase or if you have permanent disability. If you pass away, your beneficiary may also be able to avoid taxes on the distribution. Now, if you're 59 and a half or older and you meet the five-year rule, very simple. No taxes, no penalties. So what if you don't meet the 59 or excuse me, the five-year rule? So if you don't meet the five-year rule and you're under age 59 and a half, earnings are subject to taxes and penalties. You may be able to avoid that penalty, but not the taxes, if you use the money for specific purpose, purposes. And we talked about this. First-time home purchase. Um, let's add qualified education expenses, unreimbursed medical expenses, permanent disability. If you pass away, your beneficiary may be able to avoid penalties on that distribution. Hmm. Make sense? Mm-hmm. All right, so if you don't meet the five-year rule and you're 59 and a half or over, earnings are subject to taxes but not penalties. That means if you're over 59 and a half when you withdraw, some of your withdrawal could get included in taxable income thanks to this fantastic five-year rule. You won't owe a 10% penalty in that case, but you'll still owe taxes on any withdrawals above the amount contributed. Make sense? Makes sense. All right. There have been some special changes in 2020. Now, in 2020, the coronavirus stimulus bill, called the CARES Act, allows those affected by coronavirus pandemic a hardship distribution of up to $100,000 without the 10% early distribution penalty those younger than 59 and a half 
normally owe. Account owners, they also have three years to pay the tax owed on the withdrawals instead of owing it in the current year, or they can repay the withdrawal and avoid owing any tax, even if that amount exceeds the annual contribution limit for that type of retirement account. Roth 401ks, unlike Roth IRAs, they are subject to RMDs during the owner's lifetime, but the CARES Act has suspended those in 2020. Make sense? Yes. All right. So I hope this helps, Pete. Thanks so much for your question. Let's go out, Go ahead and close out today's episode, Amber. What do you think? Sounds good. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, please keep the questions coming. Uh, my inbox is flooding with questions, and I love it. I, I really love hearing from you. I really love hearing what's on your mind. The email address, again, is jfuchs at sagepathfa.com, and the phone number is 904 904- 366-9388. All of that is in the description of the podcast. And hey, I'm not fishing for anything, Amber, but anything to add? No, not right now. That was a fun one. Yeah, I had a good time. Thanks yeah. so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Always good to see you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> thank you. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for sticking around. I appreciate all of you. Make it a great day. And now the part we love disclosures. Securities and investment advisory services offered through FSC Securities Corporation, member FINRA SIPC. FSC is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services referenced here are independent of FSC. FSC does not provide tax or legal advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, it cannot be guaranteed and the accuracy of the information should be independently verified. This material was created to provide information on the subject covered but should not be regarded as a complete analysis of these subjects. Please consult your financial professional for further information or reach out to me. This episode is sponsored by Dunham & Associates Investment Council, Inc. Jason can be reached at 904-366-9388 or jfuchs at sagepathfa.com. SagePath Financial Advisors is located at 512 Rosebud Lane, Neptune Beach, Florida, 32266. Information for this episode was obtained through FMG Suite, LLC. 